Friends, open with me in your Bibles to that same passage, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read for us Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, and we're really going to focus on the first two verses this week. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray together. Father, would you forgive us for bad, good works? Would you inspire in us by your Holy Spirit good, good works? Would you give us wisdom to know the difference between the two? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, we live in America. We live in the land of plenty, which means we have a schizophrenic relationship with food. We have everything available to us at all times, and so we wonder amongst ourselves in the form of dieting what we should eat and when we should eat that. Is anybody right now experimenting with like the Atkins or paleo or keto diet right now? Anybody trying that, giving it a whirl? Raise your hands nice and high. Nobody wants to admit it. Nobody in this room is dieting. Okay. I was going to say, if you, we've got one person doing the keto diet. If you meet these people, do not invite them to your home. They will ruin a good time. They walk in the door, you offer them a beer, and they say, sorry, I don't do that. Do you have any extra dry champagne? And it's like, let me check. No, I do not have any of that. Well, these diets, they're low carb and high in fat, and the idea is there's a difference between good fat and bad fat. Good fat can make you skinny, and bad fat can make you fat. If that's confusing to you, which fats make you skinny, then number one, consult your physician, and number two, just wait until you hear what the book of Ephesians is talking about this morning. Forget good fat versus bad fat. The book of Ephesians in our passage is talking about the difference between, get this, good, good works, and bad good works. There's such a thing as a good good work and there's such a thing as a bad good work. Now you see the word works here in Ephesians and I want to simply define a good work as an act of obedience. You you see something in the Bible, you see something in God's law and you turn around and do it and that is a good work and yet Ephesians says not all works are created equal. There is such a good thing as a good good work and such a thing as a bad good work. You can do a good work and it could be bad before God or it could be good before God. Now that's confusing. That's hard to discern. But what's beautiful about our passage is that it speaks about both of those good works in the same breath. Ephesians says that there are indeed good, good works in God that are humble acts of service that glorify him. 
And then there are also bad good works done outside of God that actually become for us a place of pride and boasting. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 uses both of those in the same breath. And in our passage, I actually see three kinds of good work. Two of them are bad. We want to avoid them. We don't want to do them. We want to confess them. And one of them is beautiful and wholesome and good. And it's what God has designed us to do. And as we unpack this passage, I hope we begin to discern the difference between these kinds of works. Number one, the first bad good work I see in Ephesians are works done outside of Jesus. These are Good works that are done apart from or outside of the person and the work of Jesus. I find that in verse 8. Verse 8 banishes the word doing from our conversion stories. Because verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. That means that if we set about doing a good work as a way to earn God's love, to get God's attention towards us, it's not a good work, it's a bad good work. It's done with the wrong motive, it's done with the wrong design, it is not a good thing before God. In other words... If I'm outside of Jesus, if I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want a relationship with Jesus, and so I do get busy doing the good things that I think Jesus wants me to change about myself. I clean up my language. I try to put a lid on my temper. I start praying before meals, and I begin to think to myself, Jesus will see that I'm serious about a relationship with him, and we're going to meet each other halfway. He sees that I'm moving towards him, he's going to start moving towards me. You will hear that in churches today. You will hear that from the pulpit. You will hear that from people who call themselves pastors. That is absolutely 100% not the gospel of scripture. That is not salvation. Because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says that salvation is a gift and not a work. And if you end up with a salvation that sure felt like a lot of work to get, it is not the salvation that we find in Ephesians chapter 2. Now imagine some friends of yours invited you over for a lavish meal. They served you this grand dinner, uh, keto I'm sure, and you ate it and you half enjoyed it and over coffee and dessert, you pull out your wallet and you ask them, how much do I owe you for this meal? That is utterly offensive and you are a person who has trouble receiving grace. You're not able to understand in your mind the beauty of a free gift. God's salvation, his offer of grace, is not a work, it is a gift. When we as human beings come to the end of ourselves, and we actually realize, I'm not meeting Jesus halfway, 
I have nothing to offer in and of myself. I have sinned against a holy God. I have rebelled against him. And I understand that without Jesus, I am without hope. And we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. We trust him to forgive our sins and make us clean. We receive the gift of salvation. It's a treasure. It's a grace. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It cannot be bartered for. And even now in our Christian lives, it cannot be paid back in any way, shape, or form That is the gift of salvation according to Ephesians chapter 2. Where do you stand this morning with Jesus? Have you received this gift, not work, of salvation? I sat with a friend this week and we were talking about the gift of salvation and we weren't sure where we stood, so I gave a, a multiple choice. And I said, let's, let's think about it this way. You're either A, 100% sure that you have confessed your sins and trusted in Jesus alone for your salvation. B, you're 100% sure that you have not done that, trusted in Jesus alone for your salvation. Or C, which is a great option on the SAT, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I haven't. I'm not sure that I have. I I, I just don't know right now where I am in that journey. I don't know. If that's you this morning, if you're thinking, I'm B, I definitely haven't, or C, I'm not entirely sure. I've been around it for a while, but I don't know if I've received this free gift. Then I want to talk about just a few signs, a few evidences in your life that you might now, outside of Jesus, be doing bad, good work. You're busy, good things are in your life, but they are bad, good works, not works that are done in Jesus. I've got four, maybe, signs or evidences that this might be happening in your life. Number one, You are doing good work to get God to like you. You're afraid he's disappointed with you. You're afraid he doesn't love you or like you. And so you're working hard so that he will. And when you do your part, he does his part. And he begins to love you once again. If you have that kind of relationship with God, these are works that are happening outside of Jesus. Number two a sign that you're doing bad, good work, is that you are trying to change yourself from the outside in instead of the gospel which changes us from the inside out. You see these periphery things in your life. You see bad things in your life that, you're, that are happening and you're beginning to address those things one by one in your power. You are trying to change yourself from the outside in and it is not working and it is not sticking and you are frustrated And this might be a sign you're doing bad, good work. Number three, you believe you need to act or be a certain way before you can approach God. If you have said to yourself, I can't come to church on Sunday morning after what I did on Saturday night. 
or I don't have a right to pray to God about this thing because I haven't been living this certain way. You have an arrangement in your mind in which you and God meet each other halfway. And when you're doing decently, you have the right to pray for things. And when you've lived a good weekend, you have the right to come to church on Sunday. And that has nothing to do with the gospel. And that is a bad, good work in your life. And number four, a sign that this is happening is that you really don't have assurance of your salvation. You're in the church. You're doing the things of the church. You may even call yourself a Christian, but truly at your core, you do not know where you stand with God because when you measure your good deeds against your bad deeds, you can't be positive about how he's going to weigh those things. If these are signs in your life, those good works are really bad good works. They are trying to earn God's love. They are trying to earn God's favor. And they cannot possibly do that. They were never designed to do that. They're not built for that. They can't carry the weight of your salvation. You will fumble them. You will break them. You are bound for disappointment. Drop your bad, good works and come to Jesus. And receive not a work, but a gift in your salvation. That's one category of bad, good works that's happening in the book of Ephesians. It's all of us who, well-meaning, want to come to Jesus and we think we do it by earning our way to Jesus. If that's us, we need to drop these, repent of them, and run to Christ. But there's also a second bad good work that's happening in this passage. It's not works done outside of Jesus. It's works done near Jesus. Like they're close to Jesus. They feel like they're in the orbit of Jesus. They feel like they're being done in Jesus' name. But they're still bad good works. So maybe we're here this morning and and we're not the person in verse 8. We know that we do not earn God's salvation. We have been born again by his free grace. We've come to Jesus. We've confessed our sins. We've confessed our good works. And we have received his salvation. There is nothing that we do to add or take away from it. It is God's free, rich mercy and love. Praise God for that. But be careful. There are still bad, good works that trip up well-meaning Christians all the time. Look at verses 8 through 9 again. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen to this. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, who's he talking to in this verse that would be tempted to boast in the salvation that they have received? It's not the unbeliever who hasn't received salvation. It is the believer who enjoys salvation, who is most at danger in boasting in the works that they've done. This is a wild and disturbing and true warning for every single Christian in this room. It is possible to be saved by grace through faith and not by works 
and yet to turn around in our Christian lives and set about boasting in the works that got us to where we are with God. Like after we've experienced this wonderful, unmerited grace, we start thinking that we are the kind of people who should receive wonderful and unmerited grace, which immediately makes it not an unmerited grace, but a merited grace. This was precisely the problem with the born-again, gospel-loving Christians in the church in Galatia. Paul writes to them in chapter 3, Did you become Christians by faith, by grace, by a gift? And then you start thinking that you stay a Christian by effort and by work and by earning? Who has bewitched you? How have you fallen to this basic scheme of the devil? And yet all of us fall into the temptation that once we are invited into the kingdom of God, we can't but help fancy that we deserve to be here. Let's talk about some signs that we can see in our life if we're born again and doing good works, but they're really bad good works. They're works done near Jesus, but they're not works done in Jesus. Verse 9 says the chief red flag this morning of those bad good works in the church is boasting. Boasting is going to taint the good works done in the church. But be careful because I think most of us in this room are too smart and too subtle to go around literally boasting that we've done such great things that God should save us, right? I don't know any Christian. I don't have a personal relationship with a Christian who is stupid enough to say out loud in the church or in their life group, I deserve to be here, right? Nobody's going to do that. We find much more subtle and insidious ways to boast in the good works we've done so that we can get the boasting across and get the credit for what we've done without appearing to boast before believers. So let's talk about signs of subtle, insidious boasting. I have five of them that I see in my own heart, and I wonder if they're in your heart as well. Number one, This is a sign that you're doing bad, good work in the church. Comparison. We compare ourselves and our good works to other people all the time. I'm not going to come out and say that I deserve to be here. All I'm going to say is that if anybody deserves to be here, (laughs) it's more me than this girl over here. There's more me than that guy over there. I'm going to compare myself with other people. Have you ever had this really dark thought when you are taking up your cross and following Jesus? And then you see a neighbor, you see a fellow believer, somebody in this church, somebody in your life group, who they're also a Christian and they're also going to be saved. But let's just say they have a more generous lifestyle than you do. Let's just say they might not be tithing as much as you are. Let's just say they're not volunteering as much as you are. And you wonder this dark thought. If we're both going to end up in the same place, like we're going to be in glory forever, why am I busting my butt 
to do things that this person is not doing. Comparison is boasting in the church even if it only happens in our own hearts. That's a sign of bad good work. Number two, very similarly, we are highly, highly critical of other people. We're unkind, we belittle, we nitpick, we're just plain angry with other people. Criticism is the cousin of comparison. We put other people down so that we're up and it's really a nasty roundabout way of boasting. If I can just crush the playing field with criticism, if I can always find something wrong with what you're doing, with my kids, with my wife, with believers in my life, if I'm the teacher and you're the student and I have crushed the playing field, that is a subtle roundabout way of boasting. And honestly, if that's you, we'd rather you just boast. Please just talk about yourself and stop criticizing me. I don't need more of that in my life. Just go back to boasting. That was so much sweeter when you weren't attacking me. But, but criticism is the cousin of comparison. That's a second sign. Here's a third sign. Our confessions of sin are very, very slim. That's a way of boasting before God. When you turn around and confess your own sin, it's boring. Nobody wants to hear it. You use the same words, you say the same line, you talk in general categories. Your confession of sin sounds like a job interview. God, I just confess that I care too much. You're wasting people's time with those confessions. You're not touching your heart. And slim confessions before fellow Christians and before God is just another way of boasting. Number four, and sometimes this is a hard connection to make, You are doing bad, good work if you are surprised when you suffer. If suffering, if hardship catches you off guard, do you know what it's exposed in your heart? That you had this implicit agreement with God that you would never say out loud, but that you live by, and that is, if I scratch your back, God, you'll scratch my back. Like if I throw myself into this thing and I really serve the kingdom and I do what's right and it costs me something, I'm not going to lose my job and I'm not going to get cancer because I'm doing for you and I expect you in turn to do for me. If we're living that kind of lifestyle, suffering and hardship are going to feel like betrayal or punishment because we can't imagine any other reason we would suffer. Those are four. Number five might be the biggest one in all of our lives. A way to sniff out bad, good work that's done in boasting is that we just flat crave praise and recognition from other people. We do good things because we want other people to see it, notice it, and celebrate it. Is there a person in this room for whom praise and recognition is not at least some part and maybe a big part of what we do in our Christian lives. Like if you don't see the good that I'm doing, 
I'm going to end up finding a way to nudge it in your direction so that you can't miss it and that you'll recognize it and that you'll celebrate it in my life. That taints every single thing we do for good in the kingdom of God. I just confessed this to Julie yesterday. I just, I saw the ugly side of this in my heart yesterday. You guys know that we're going through this process of finding an assistant pastor And it's been going on for months, and we've been receiving applications, and I feel an enormous weight behind this decision, because it is a weighty thing. I mean, it's a really big deal to move somebody here to pastor this church. It's a really big deal for such a critical part of our church, our life groups, to have somebody who's going to train and shepherd them. So all of that's good. It's okay to feel that weightiness. It's okay to have that kind of anxiousness about it and to bring it to God. But you know, the more I dug into why I was so anxious about this, I began to uncover this other motive in my heart that also informs what we're doing. And that is, if our team and our session chooses the right person who works really well for our church, you love him, you get along with his wife, you're thrilled that he's here, that's going to reflect well on me. I'm a good leader that did a good thing. And if we somehow pick the wrong person and you don't like his preaching and you don't get along with his wife, I'm going to look like a really bad leader. And I can't tell you how much of my pastoral life is built around wanting you to like me and wanting you to think I'm a good leader And wanting you to think that I make wise decisions. If you knew the extent of that, you would be looking for another senior pastor. (laughs) And not an assistant pastor. That, That just moves in every part of my life. And I'm sure it moves in every part of your life. Remember Jesus says so radically in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed is the person who fasts and gives generously and prays in secret because the father who sees what his child is doing in secret loves it and rewards his child. And you begin to extrapolate your life between the good works that I do just between me and my father because I love to do them and the good works that happen before other people because I also want their praise and recognition and it feels like all of a sudden the scale is tipped in favor of needing an audience to celebrate who I am. That's a scary, scary part of the Christian life. Obviously, our good works are done in part in front of other people. That is unavoidable. But what moves me in my heart to do good things and to serve God? Bad, good works done by Christians near Jesus but not in Jesus are works that help us boast in who we are. We become Simon the Pharisee who thinks he is forgiven little and so he turns around and loves little. We are the wicked servant who has been forgiven a great sum and turns around and finds another servant who owes us a little bit and can't possibly forgive him a little sum. We're the elder brother of the prodigal son who thinks one of us belongs in the father's house and it's not our little brother who has disobeyed. Truly, 
every single one of us can spend more time confessing our so-called good works than we even know. They are tainted. They are stained with our sin. Well, I'm afraid by saying all this, we're going to give ourselves a complex about good works. In fact, we're going to be afraid to do anything good this week because we're afraid that we're doing it in part to earn or to boast or to prove making what started out to be a good work into a bad good work. But Christian, take heart. Jesus comes to forgive us of our sins and Jesus comes to forgive us of our good works. And as he does... He offers us a third way. It's not works done outside of Jesus. It's not works done near Jesus. It is works done in Jesus. I'm going to read this and I'm not going to talk about it this week. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every good work, every good thought, every good word, every good deed, this side of heaven is tainted by sin. Every bit of it, everything we venture to do is tainted by sin. But even so, God has this marvelous plan. He's going to do something miraculous and stupendous. He's pleased to do good things good and wholesome things through forgiven people for his glory and their good. And so next week, we're going to devote the entire sermon to verse 10 and what it means in the kingdom for God's glory and our good to work really, really hard at good works. Let's pray together. Father, we confess our sins and we confess our good works. Good works that we do to earn your favor, to boast before other Christians, to gain stature and recognition. We confess them to you and we pray that you would banish them from our lives. Lord, when you clear the ground of bad good works, you make place for good good works that you've prepared beforehand for us to do. And I pray that we as a church would walk in them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.